0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: We are on page 379. The question is, how could the light create something from nothing? You can't give what you don't have. Something from nothing, as Al-Tarebi defined earlier, means that there's no source. You sense there's no source. Something from nothing. As far as the reality of the something, the reality of the source is like nothing to it. It doesn't exist. It's not in the same frame of reference. It's not even in the same universe. It's a different realities. So well, as far as the something is concerned, its source is nothing. It's as if it doesn't exist. And where do I come from? I just am. come from nowhere. No, without any source, without any root, without a rhyme, without a reason. So how could light, which by its very definition comes from something, it comes from the source. Light of the sun comes from the sun. You can't have light without the source. That's the definition of light. It can't exist for a moment without its source. Everything it has it has from its source. What's it all about? Its source. Its whole being, d'etre, is to express its source. It's nothing other than the source. It's a reflection of the source. That's what light does. Light reflects the source. So the sun is a body of heat and light, so it emanates light. So how could light, which has a source, be the source of something, of something from nothing? of a creation that senses that it's separate and it's apart and it has no source. So the Alter Rebbe says that it's not only because of the Tzimtzum as he explained in the Tanya. Here he said something very novel which he wrote right before he passed away and this is astonishing, astounding, revolutionary, something that was never really articulated before. Of course, now that the Altar Rebbe says this we go back in Maimonides, the beginning of Maimonides, the very opening of Maimonides, the way he describes creation, how the all of creation comes from the very essence of Hashem. Now we understand what Maimonides is saying. But Alter Rebbe is the first one to articulate that it's not only because of the tzimtzum and the hiding and the contraction, and the, but it's actually something positive. It comes from the light. The light conveys... In the creative creation, this sense of something from nothing. How could the light create? How could the light transmit this sense when the light doesn't have it? The light is completely dependent on a source. How can it create an entity that senses that it's completely independent of any source? Doesn't need a source? Is self-sufficient, self-made man, independent? Create an American. Rabbi says because light is a reflection of its source so light conveys everything that the source has is transmitted and conveyed through the light this source which is hashem hashem doesn't have a source that's the definition of hashem god is god's core and essence god is god doesn't have a source God is not a reflection, God is. So although the Reflection of Hashem, the Reflection of God, the Infinite Light which is a reflection of God, which is not God, God has no beginning, the Infinite Light has no end, but it has a beginning, it is God, it is a Reflection of Hashem. It is the Light, the Infinite Light of Hashem. It is a Reflection of Hashem, but it is light that reflects so it is not the essence of Hashem, the essence of Hashem has no beginning. But light, because light is so faithful and because light is so completely nullified, light has nothing of its own, everything that it has is nothing other than the source, it even conveys and transmits the very essence of Hashem, which has no beginning. So it's like a carrier that conveys and it doesn't even know it. Light itself doesn't even know it. Light itself doesn't even understand It doesn't even know what it contains. Because light knows light. Light knows dependency. To be completely nullified and dependent on its source, to be completely nothing before Hashem. Something, to be something, light doesn't know what that is. Light is not something, light is completely nothing. So, how can light can create something? Because light is a reflection of the ultimate something, Hashem, who has no beginning. And therefore, the light conveys that sense into everything that the light creates and, 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 and animates and vivifies. But the question is, that's what we left off last week, what triggers this within the light? Okay, light carries something that's really not light, that's beyond light, that light has no clue doesn't even know what it looks like, doesn't even know what it's carrying, doesn't even know what it has. Light is nothing. Light doesn't know what something is, doesn't know what something looks like. Only Hashem is something. Light is completely dependent. Independence! Light doesn't know what the word independence means. Light is not independent. Light can't exist for a moment without its source. He can't bottle light. It can't sever, disconnect the light from its source. So light doesn't know what independence means, doesn't know what it looks like doesn't know what something looks like. What do you mean, I'm something? It's the most ridiculous, absurd statement to light. Something, I, there's no I, there is no something, there's no independence, I'm completely nullified, I'm completely dependent, I'm completely, that's what makes me godly, I'm a reflection of God, I'm, I'm completely nullified before Hashem, I'm infinite. There's no definition, there's no, I'm completely nullified before Hashem. But yet light, because it's a reflection of its source, of Hashem, who's the ultimate something, it conveys that independence and that something without it even knowing it. So what triggers it? That allows it to emerge and to surface that it can convey and through that create something. An entity that feels independent. An entity that feels it is something. It has an ego and an eye, and it feels self-sufficient. What triggers it? And that's what he's going to explain now. He says. He's going to explain that what triggers it is actually the lowest level the end of the world of emanation, the lowest level what's the last level, the lowest level? it's the level of malchus of royalty royalty is different than all the other attributes that a person has a person has brains, intellectual capacity the mind, the ideas, the ability to conceive, a person has emotions, the ability to relate to other people, to connect with other people, <coughs> to love, to be attracted to other people, to hate, distance yourself, your relationships and your interactions with other people around you, the world around you, that's, that's emotions. Royalty, leadership, is not, is, on one hand it's the most external quality. Because it's not really part of you. Leadership royalty doesn't add anything to the person. It's not like it's a part of the person. It's not anything that the person has. Leadership royalty begins, or communication, speech. Speech is completely external to the person. Because it begins with the other person. If you're alone, do you need speech? Could you be king over yourself? Robinson Crusoe, let me crown myself. I'm gonna coronate myself. (laughs) I am king, I declare my allegiance to myself, and I am king. It's ridiculous, absurd. You're gonna speak to yourself, there's no one to speak to. There's no point. There's no need. It doesn't add anything. What what, what am I gonna tell myself? (laughs) I know what I'm thinking, and I know what I'm feeling. I can't be king over myself, and I can't speak to myself. There's no point. It's completely external to me. It begins with something outside of me. If there's an outsider, if there's someone separate from me who doesn't know what I'm thinking and doesn't know what I'm feeling, that's what creates speech. Now speech is necessary in order for me to communicate with the other person. If there's another person, then I can be a leader. And not any other person. Can't be a leader, a father can't be a leader of his children. Can't be a king of his children. No one's going to coronate the father as king. A minister can't be a a king over your ministers. There has to be a distance. Someone who's outside of me, a commoner, common folk. In the Hebrew language, we call it am. Am means the nation. There's a huge gap between the king and his nation. These are not his children. These are not his ministers. There's a huge gap between the common folk. And the king, the king is head and shoulders, the very first Jewish king, the Torah says, King Sheol was head and shoulders above the people. He was physically head and shoulders, but a reflection of the fact that he was spiritually and mentally and emotionally and psychologically in every level head and shoulders above. There was such a huge gap in distance. So there, it makes sense to say, I'm king of an outsider. I'm communicating, I'm speaking to someone outside of me. So on one hand, speech is completely external to the person that's what we say is the lowest level it's the end it's the very last level you have the mind and then you have the heart and then you have the speech and the words and the communication and the leadership and the connection connection those outside it's like when you make the sale you make the sale that's the bottom line that's the end result Up until that point, everything is an internal process. You have an idea. You have a concept. You have a better better mousetrap. And then you have the emotions. Okay, now I want to go and build it, and I want to figure it out, and and then how am I going to do it, and how am I going to sell it, and what I will say and what I won't say. This is all an internal process. And then you have the final result, the end result. And what's the end result? The customer has to buy the product. If the customer doesn't buy the product, you're not in business. So who puts you in business? It's the customer that puts you in business. It's external. It's not you. You can't make yourself successful. It's someone outsider who makes you successful. If there's an audience, it makes you successful. So that kingdom, royalty, is someone outside of you. So it's completely external to the person. So by definition, royalty means that there's something separate, independent of me. Because if the person is not independent of me, he's my child, he's my minister, he's just an extension of me, then there's no royalty. I can't be king over myself. It's just an extension of me. But by definition, the definition of royalty means there's something separate. There's a separation. There's someone independent, an independent entity. So there has to be two entities. Two independent entities who want to have a relationship with each other. The nation wants to anoint the king as their sovereign. They're independent. He's not a dictator. He can't impose himself on them. They have to willingly want to enter into this relationship. And that's what creates the king-subject relationship. So, the definition of a king is that there's a separate entity. And this is what the attribute of royalty, we talk about Hashem's attribute of royalty, the difference is that when we speak, before we speak, the one we're speaking to exists. The entity exists. The question is, are we going to communicate? Are we going to speak to each other? With Hashem, Hashem has no one to speak to. (laughs) There is nothing else besides Hashem. Hashem is the ultimate, absolute reality. There is nothing, really, there is nothing else. So who's Hashem speaking to? Who's Hashem king of? There's no need, there's no one to speak to, there's no one to communicate with, there's no one to lead, there's no one outside of Hashem. There's no space outside of Hashem. There's no place outside of Hashem. So that's the attribute of royalty within Hashem. The attribute of royalty, the attribute of Hashem's speech, creates the separate entity. It's the king, the attribute of royalty, that creates a subject that feels independent, that senses its independence, that senses its ego. And therefore, now it's possible to enter into relationship with Hashem as two separate entities that willingly choose to enter into relationship with each other. So the attribute of royalty is really Hashem's ability to see himself from his, from our eyes, from a different perspective. <laughs> Otherwise, all there is is Hashem. Hashem could only see himself from himself. Hashem wanted to see himself as an outsider sees him. How do we look at Hashem? How does an outsider look at Hashem? How does an outsider recognize and acknowledge and comes to the terms, and comes, comes to the reality, comes to the realization of the reality of Hashem? How does his ego, an independent entity, a self-made American, in the twenty-first century living in the upper east side, how does such a person come to the realization and looks back at Hashem and comes to the realization of Hashem's absolute, ultimate reality, that there is no other reality but Hashem. To the extent that it permeates your life and it becomes your very being, your very being and your, your very core in essence. But as an outsider who willingly chooses and enters into this relationship knowingly and willingly, this is, for whatever reason, this is what Hashem desires. This is very exciting to Hashem. It's a novel. It's a novelty. It's creation. It's the ultimate creativity of Hashem. This is where you see the creativity of Hashem. The ability to create a separate entity. And really, everything is Hashem. But it's like Hashem is able to look at Himself from from the outsider's perspective. That's what Hashem desired. That's what triggers creation, Hashem's creativity. This is what triggers within the light. When the light reaches the level of malchus, through the yishtal shalut, through the chain reaction, it reaches the lowest level, the level of communication, the level of speech, the level of royalty. This is what royalty evokes within the light, finds within the light. That that the light carries. That the light doesn't even know what it looks like. The light doesn't even know what it is. The light doesn't even know that it has. That sense of independence. That sense of something. So Malchus triggers and evokes and brings out this. And it conveys it. And it creates an entity that feels independent. So it's able to transmit through the light. It's able to transmit the essence not only a sense of being dependent, but a sense of being independent which comes from Hashem's essence. Hashem has no beginning. So we also feel like we have no beginning. and We also feel like we're just here and we always were and we always will be and we're absolute and our egos are absolute and it feels completely natural. And this comes from malchus. Malchus is that attribute that activates and triggers and brings out and embodies this aspect. So therefore, even though malchus, is like a paradox. Malchus is at the end. It's like the, the end, the very end, the bottom. It receives from everything else. It's the, it's the end. Just like speech. Speech re- has nothing of its own. Speech just reveals. It just conveys. It just transmits whatever you're feeling, whatever you're, you're understanding. It, you put it into words, and the words... <coughs> are the transportation through which you convey this idea and you communicate this idea. So words are nothing on their own. So they're all the way on the bottom. they're just receiving, just like royalty, leadership. It doesn't add anything to the person. The person, the person doesn't... It's completely external to the person, and yet we find within speech something very powerful, something magical. Speech. When a person speaks, whatever you're speaking, whatever you're communicating is amplified a thousandfold. A teacher is conveying an idea. As you're speaking and as you're conveying and communicating, articulating the idea, the mind opens up. And although the teacher understood this idea on his own, But once you communicate, as the Talmud says, I've learned a lot from from my teachers, I've learned more from my colleagues, and I've learned the most from my students. Because while you're communicating, that's the nature of speech, the power of communication. When you speak, it amplifies whatever is going on inside of you. It amplifies it a thousandfold. It's it's exponential. It's not even, it's not just incremental. It's It's like explosive. Because speech, it's external. It's at the very end. It's at the receiving end. But speech triggers something core, something essential, something that in the whole process of the Yishtal the whole process is, remains dormant and hidden. And it's speech that activates it. Just like within the analogy of what's royalty. Royalty is represented by the feminine, by the woman. So you have the masculine, which represents the first and the nine, which is the giver, And then you have the receiver. But what happens when the woman receives? It's explosive. She finds in the seed something that the seed didn't even know the seed had. Where exactly did you find in that seed this baby? (laughs) Where? where you plant the, plant a seed in the ground. Where exactly did you find in that seed this huge tree, this lush tree? Where, 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 where did you see it? But when you receive it, it's explosive. You reveal. You expose and you reveal something core, something essential that was in the seed, but the seed itself was a conveyor, but the seed didn't even know that it had. So the light has, because the light is a reflection, the light reflects everything from its source. But it doesn't even know that it's carrying. It doesn't even know what it looks like. It doesn't even know what it is. Because it's not it. A light is the exact opposite of the source. The source is independent. Light, by definition, is completely dependent. Independence? Something? These words are anathema to the light. What does it mean? But the light has it because it conveys. It's a reflection of its source. But what triggers this sense of independence, of no beginning, of something, the ultimate something, absolute something? The sense of ego and independence. This is the end, the attribute of royalty. This is what al is going to explain. This is uh, deep stuff. Okay. Very
2: deep. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom of page 379. However. However, as is known, any yesh or entity that in its own eyes is utterly separate from godliness comes into being principally through malchut of atzilat, which becomes the atik of Berea. Atik is the element of delight, which is the innermost core of will, Ratson. Thus malchut of atzilat becomes the delight and will that propel the world of Berea into being. For it is Machat that is able to project a sense of pleasure in, create, in creatures that perceive themselves to be separate entities, since only thus can sovereignty result.
1: Because Hashem desired to be king, for whatever reason, he desired to have a relationship with something outside of himself. That's the pleasure and that's the will that creates creates the world of the world, creates all the worlds the world of separation, so that becomes the source, Hashem's divine attribute of royalty. becomes the attic, the pleasure and the will and the source and the drive because Hashem had the pleasure and wanted the pleasure and, the, and wanted desire to have this, this relationship, <coughs> this is what drove, this is what motivates, this is what creates, brings the world into being a world of separation, a world of separate entities into being so this is the beginning of separation. Up until that point, it's all Hashem. It's one with Hashem. There's no separation. The whole entire world of the world of emanation, including the vessels, they're godly. Yes, the vessels are limited, but they're godly. So it's all Hashem. Hashem's ability to be infinite, Hashem's ability to be finite, it's all, it's all Hashem. It's like the body and the soul. The body and the soul. It's all one. You can't separate. You can't be king over yourself. I command my hand to move. Oh, my hand is religious. It's worshiping me. It's moving. No, you can't. Your hand is you. You know, the vessels, the light. It's all one. It's all Hashem. There's no separation. So you can't be king. If I listen to myself, that doesn't make me king. If you listen to me, that makes me king. So where does the you begin? The you begins with creation. Because Hashem desired that there should be a you. So the attribute of royalty, this becomes the world of Atik. This is the pleasure and Hashem's pleasure and desire. that He desired that there should be something separate from Hashem. And this is what creates the beginning of separation. Beginning with the world of creation. Continue.
2: For there is no king without a nation. The analogy of the king who is able to rule only over subjects who are distant from him was explained above. In the analog, that this corresponds to the created beings in the world of Berea, which are distant from godliness, unlike the beings in the world of Atzuluk, which are close to him. They cleave to God. It is thus to the creatures of the world of Berea that the divine attribute of machud, sovereignty
1: so he's saying even the creations of the world of emanation which are not God, they were separated they don't have the ability to create and not God they're separate, but nevertheless they are godly and there's no disconnect and there's no separation there's no ego so so, so therefore Shem can't really be king over them they're, they're like the ministers can they be king over ministers they're, they're like They're in the palace. They're they're, they're connected. It's only beginning with the world of creation, which are separate entities. That's where Hashem's royalty begins to operate. Then when there's a sense of separation, then Hashem can be king. You can say Hashem is king over them. That's why we create in the first
2: place. Yeah.
1: That's the only reason
2: Maybe you should have somebody to talk to.
1: That's the only reason. Hashem, Hashem was lonely. You could be God Almighty Himself, but you can't marry yourself, even if you're God Almighty. <laughs> Many people think they're God Almighty, but even if you're God Almighty, you can't marry yourself by definition. Marriage is when you forget about yourself and uh, someone else has to make you marry. You can't make yourself married. You can go to you can, you can go to uh, you know psychologists for a thousand years and but the, at the end of the road, you're not going to find marriage. When you forget about yourself, the other person that makes you marry, and someone choose, chooses and decides to want to marry you, that's what makes you married. So the only, the only one who can make you married is someone else. Someone separate from you, outside of you, an adult who wishes and desires to have a relationship with you and to be married to you. So yes, Hashem, for whatever reason, we don't know why He wanted. Hashem had a tithe, Hashem had a desire. All we know is what He wanted. We don't know why. It's not logical, it's not that God was missing anything, or God is perfect. But for whatever reason, this is what Hashem wanted. He, wanted. he wanted to have a relationship. He wanted to be married. He wanted to be king. And the only way to do this is when there's, two, when there's a separate entity who senses like us, where we feel we're a part of from Hashem. And He wants us to come to the Realization us to willingly choose to enter into this relationship. This total relationship with Hashem. Marriage is total. It's not a job. It's not religion. Judaism is marriage. It's not a religion. It's marriage. It's a total, all-consuming, all-encompassing relationship that touches every fiber of our being and every bone in our body where we're 100% focused and concentrated on this relationship. But it has to be willingly. It has to be something that we Choose. Hashem doesn't impose Himself on us. That will make Him a dictator or a rape, a rapist. Not a not marriage. Marriage, by definition, is that we willingly choose to enter into this relationship. That's what Hashem wanted. That's what He desired.
0: So, why does God create us? Why?
1: We don't know why. There's no there's no logical reason we can explain why. We know what He wanted. Why He wanted. It's beyond explanation. The, there's no reason in the world that could explain this. Because what is God lacking? What does God need? God is perfect. So, so God needs this. Why does He need it? But we don't know why. But we know what. For whatever reason, this is what God wanted. This, is what gave, this was His pleasure. This is His taiva. This is what He wants. Just like we desire things. Could we explain everything that we desire? We only desire things that are logical and rational. We have very strong desires, things that makes no sense, but this is what we want. Very strong, intense desires. It's not everything could be explained rationally and logically. We have certain very strong, strong desires that come from a very, very deep place. Mm-hmm. You know, the sexual urge or the urge for, 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 you know, for intimacy is it something that's rational, logical? It's just, it's just a very powerful urge that we have deep down that we so not everything in life could be explained rationally and logically. So it's not it's not the logical explanation that God was missing something and therefore he needed something. By definition, God is perfect, so he doesn't need, doesn't need anything and not missing anything. But God has this very powerful, strong desire that He wanted to create a world. He wanted to be king. He wanted to be married. He, he was a single. He was alone. And He wants to have a relationship. He wants to view Himself the way we see Himself. He wants to see Himself through our eyes. It's a relationship. It's, you're being reflected back from someone else's eyes. Step out of yourself and see how someone else sees you that's that's the magic of a relationship that's what's special about a relationship we can't step out of our own truths but the other person sees us from their eyes how we reflect back that's very powerful that's so he can't gratifying
2: be satisfied with what he created
1: well obviously he is Why would He create it if He's not satisfied? Or He wants it. He's hoping. (laughs) He desires. What He desires is... He spelled out what He's looking for. He's not shy. Hashem spelled out what He's looking for. It's called the Torah. He's looking for a world that will look like the Torah. He's looking for a world that will willingly accept Him. Willingly enter into a relationship with Him. Jew as well as non-Jew. Mashiach will come. All seven billion people will become righteous Gentiles. They will willingly enter into this relationship with Hashem. And will follow the seven Noahide laws. And every Jew in the world will follow the 613 mitzvot. The world will look exactly the way Hashem envisioned. So yes. Hashem has great confidence in us. He, he, uh, some call it blind faith. He creates us. throws us curse from the left field puts us, plunks us down in the year 2016 the Upper East Side of Manhattan not on the Upper East Side of Jerusalem no temple deep dark intense exile spiritual and moral exile and yet he has full confidence in us that we will have the wisdom to choose the right thing because Hashem really subjected himself to an open marketplace See, royalty, speech, marketplace, all different words for the same idea. In a marketplace, you have to have a buyer. That's the definition of a marketplace. I, I'm, I can't force you. If, if I force and take your wealth from you, that's, not, that's a dictator. That's North Korea. That's not a marketplace. Marketplace means I have, I have a product and I'm confident that you will have the wisdom to discern the quality of the product that I'm selling, and you know it's worth top dollar, and you'll be willing to pay top dollar for it. Judaism is a sacrifice. It's not easy. To be Jewish is not easy. You have to sacrifice, you have to commit, you have to be disciplined. But Hashem says, this is, this is a quality product. All the other isms, everything that's out there is junk. This is the real deal. Yes, it's a free marketplace, an open marketplace. It's a free world. We're not afraid. Hashem is not afraid. Hashem is not trying to force, to impose... It's a free world. Anything goes, everything goes. I have to compete with every ism that's out there. I have to compete with every gas that's out there. But I have full confidence that we will choose. This is the world that He created. This is the ultimate purpose. The time that we live in now, this is the ultimate purpose why Hashem created the world. This is what He created. He created an open marketplace. There's no profits today. No one is beating us up. You know, in the olden days, if you didn't do a mitzvah, they beat you until you did the mitzvah. They, until they would kill you if they had to. Until you did the mitzvah. There was no choice. It's a free world, a free country. You have rights. You're in America. You do whatever you want. And Hashem says, you know, this is what you're going to want. This is what you're going to want to do. No one's going to force you to do it. You're going to want to do this and pay top dollar because you're going to see. you're going to see it for what it is. This is quality. This is genuine. This is truth. Everything else is a false imitation. Money, power, fame, lust. It's it's the false imitation. You want honor, not fame. You want love, not lust. You want the real deal. And that you're going to get with the code of Jewish law, the Torah, the mitzvah, the Jewish way of life. 3,800 years, it hasn't changed. It's real. Every passing day, it just becomes clearer and clearer. It just emerges. It just becomes clearer and clearer, How crystal clear, how genuine it is. It withstood the test of time. It's here. So, so this is this is what Hashem desires. This is what motivates. This is the driving force. This is the pleasure, the atik that he says. The atik and the, uh, the pleasure and the will that Hashem desired to create a world that's separate from him a world that's independent, a world that's the open marketplace, a free marketplace of ideas. And Hashem is fully confident that He will triumph. <laughs> you say Hashem has blind faith. <laughs> He's a gambler. He laid everything on the line. But He has confidence. He has faith in that.
2: It's a very complicated game. With this thing.
0: But, uh, ultimately, you're not going to come to this realization intellectually, you're going to come to it emotionally because it gives you pleasure. Right? And if that's the case, then we're not going to be depressed. If we come to it because it's so pleasurable, we're not going to be depressed. But it's not intellectual that's going to draw. This is it.
1: But it begins. It begins with Chabad. It begins with intellectual. Because it begins with awareness. Without awareness, if it's just inspirational and emotional, that comes and that goes. You know, sometimes you feel inspired and everything clicks and it's wonderful, and then the next day it all, it's all gone, disappeared. So There's there nothing left. Ah,
2: every, every oh, that's why day. you need
1: Tanya. That's why you have 24 6 lessons in Tanya.com. But but without awareness, unless Hashem gets into your head, unless Yiddishkeit gets into your head, unless you start thinking differently you're not going to feel differently. To feel differently, first you have to think differently. That's why the Alter Rebbe, unlike his colleagues, insisted they have to have Chabad. Hasidis can't just be emotions and love and ecstasy. It doesn't last. That's not real. If Unless it's based on the proper idea, on awareness, if you're not thinking differently, then if you're thinking is superficial, how are you going to have an emotion that lasts? It has to be built on the clarity. You have to have, go a little deeper and think clearly. The Torah has to get into your head. The Torah not only get through your head, it will get into your heart. Mm-hmm. When you have the right idea, then you can feel correctly. But if you don't have the right idea, just going on emotions. The Jews in the shtetl had emotions. That's what every Jew in the shtetl was observant. A hundred years ago, 90% of Jews were observant. What happened? In 100 years, it turned around. 90% of the Jews stopped being observant. How, how did it turn around so quickly? Because in the shtetl, they had the emotions. <laughs> it was by osmosis. You walk down to the butcher and to the tailor, beddle the tailor, and muddle the butcher. It was in the ear, Yiddishkeit. It was beautiful. But there was no awareness. There was no understanding. There was no chassidus. It evaporated. You, couldn't, you can't transmit it can't communicate it to your children. Mm. Most Jews are proud Jews, but they, they, they just couldn't convey it. There was no language. There was no when you have the Tanya, you have Hasidus the crown jewels of the Torah, when you have the Torah, you have the language, you have the right idea, then you're not easily then you can distinguish, then you can differentiate. Anything that's thrown at you, wait, this is this is a correct idea and this is nonsense. This is superficial, this is external, this is to the point. And then you can have emotions that are based on something real. So it's important. You must this is critical. The chabad this is critical. Not the Rebbe says he didn't write the Tanya, he didn't create Chabad for a segment of Jews. This is for every single Jew. That's why the Rebbe published over six thousand Tanyas literally in every city in the world. Because this is critical. How could a Jew can be a Jew without unless he studied Tanya? to really understand, unless you really have the right idea and really understand. Emotions, emotions, are, yeah, of course, I'm proud to be Jewish, and some emotions, and, but that's, that's not something, you have to have first have the right idea. If you have the right idea, then the emotions, emotions could follow. Agree? Agree. <laughs> <laughs> and there's five parts of the Tanya. This is the fourth part of the Tanya. It's like the Five books of, and you thought you finished the first part. Okay, I know everything I need to know. And then you learn the second part. <laughs> okay, now I know everything. Then you learn the third part. Okay, now for sure. Then you learn the fourth part, and the uh, heavens opened up, and, no, but and it gets better. You start
2: to learn after you've learned the same part three or four years down the road. Because the first time I read this, like twenty-five, thirty years ago, it didn't. Had nearly this <clears throat> the meaning that. Uh, right. But it also requires somebody to explain it. You can't.
1: Yes, uh, that Alta Revi already wrote in the introduction. The Tanya is written for everyone. But the Tanya was not like these books, you know, A Computer for Dummies or. Tanya was written very cryptical, very condensed, precise, contains, based on everything that was written before. So the message of the Tanya is for everyone. But to explain it and to bring it out, the Altarebi asks in every city that the one who understands the Tanya should not keep it to himself, should, should, should be there and teach it and convey it and communicate it. Because the message is critical for everyone. But Altarebi wrote it in a way that's very, very critical. Altarebi himself said that Tanya is very, very deep. It's written in a way that, but it's very, very, Dr. Rebbe himself would study the Tanya. It's written, it's very, very deep. So to get to all that depth and to get a taste of it and to, to understand it and to appreciate it, that's what we learn it over and over again. And, and, um, so, but you're right, but the message of the Tanya is for everyone. Every single Jew. Because it's It's critical. Because when you know how to think, you know you understand. You then when you're aware, then you can feel.
0: Say um, you know, um, it's hard to understand that uh, he wrote this on the day, last day of his life,
1: uh, like you a week, w- a week or so before his life. <laughs> right. The last few weeks, his life. I mean,
0: you think of Yaakov, who was blessing his kids before. He passed on here, it's like he's getting vitality, you know, and no it's just continuous. I mean, okay. he's doing it differently than the way Yaakov.
1: Well, did. also, he was running away from Napoleon, which is what shortened his life, and uh, you know, he got sick in the road. And Napoleon was his arch enemy, and the beginning of enlightenment, the you know, the enlightenment, throwing off the yoke of heaven, throwing off authority, and and um, really, what Alta Rebbe is doing with this chapter is really laying the groundwork and explaining the times that the world is about to enter. You know, it's the beginning of America and the, the whole world that we know today. Alta Rebbe already saw this 200 years ago. Beyond the information There's many revolutions past that, but this zeitgeist, the, the whole self-made man and you know i'm a renaissance man independent and god who needs god where is i'm not even talking about god god is not even is not even on the agenda anymore you know it's like completely off the agenda it's not even mentioned this whole world this whole universe which is so foreign and strange to the altar heaven so foreign and strange to any person who lived in those days i mean god was part of the universe what do you mean you don't you know, you know. Even those who are against God. But I'm against God. I'm talking about God. A world which God seems to be completely erased, God forbid, as if he doesn't exist. And there's no... In the world, the zeitgeist, the whole, you know, God, which I am God, and I am my own God, and I, celebrating ego, and, and there's zero authority, and do as you please, and be your own God, and write your own rules, and you decide what's right and wrong... This whole universe was so foreign and strange to anyone living in those days. That Al-Turabi is really laying the framework for, for this whole world, this strange world that we live in, which is so absurd, philosophically absurd. Aristotle and Plato prided themselves in the knowledge of God. God is the original cause. How can any thinking person, sensible thinking person, not the pseudo-intellectuals that we have today, They're the first ones to tell you how brilliant they are. But genuine intellectuals like Plato and Aristotle, my man, he's called the greatest minds that ever lived. Brilliant minds. How could you, of course, how could you not acknowledge God? I mean, it's like absurd. So how do you understand such a universe? Such a universe which is so foreign and strange. It never existed before. A universe which God doesn't exist which leads to the ultimate breakdown of family and the ultimate breakdown of everything, of all institutions. There's no God, there's no family, there's nothing. A society that's anti-family, crusades anti-family. Oh, that's what Al-Tarabi is saying. It all comes from God. (laughs) Where do you think it comes from? On the contrary, this is the ultimate expression of God. Only God can create such a universe. A universe that's completely dependent, that in truth, is completely dependent, can't exist for one moment on its own, is completely nullified, truly, inherently insignificant and nothing, and yet, such a str- strong sense of ego, of independence. Where does this come from? How is this possible? It has a source. So How can it be that it doesn't sense its source? Where can this come from? This can only come from the very core and essence of God. This is, this is the novelty, the revolution. that the Rebbe is trying to explain to us right before he's passing away and we're making a transition into a strange world. Any human being, any Jew living from that time would look in our world. He, he would be like, he, he would feel like he fell on Mars. Like, you know, what kind, of, what kind of absurd universe do we live in today? The intellectual universe that we live in today. It's completely absurd. It's, it's, there are no words. Completely nonsensical, ridiculous absurdities. No rhyme, no reason, no logic. It doesn't make sense. Where does this come from? How is this even possible? So the the Rebbe is explaining this comes from the very core and essence of Hashem. On the contrary, that's why Mashiach is coming in this world. In today's day and age. How can Mashiach come in such a coarse, crass environment? which is the antithesis of everything that's godly and good and decent and moral and ethical and genuine and truthful it's like a house of mirrors we live in a in a world of delusions everything that comes out of the mouth of our officials today is it's like delusions it's like you wonder you scratch your head one delusion greater than the next delusion i mean uh, which world are we living in america making peace with iran <laughs> Abandoning Israel, being peace with there. I mean, which, which. I mean, how delusional could he get? But this is all the milieu. This is the times that we live in, because the ego is completely delusional. Ego, I. I don't come from anywhere. I, I'm not going anywhere. There's no point. There's no purpose. There's no past. There's no future. So live for the moment. Have fun. It's, it's. Where does this come from? So this comes from ultimately this comes, this is the ultimate expression of Hashem's creativity. Only God can create such a universe. He
0: wants us to see the reality
1: of it. Right, and once you realize it, once you realize it and you make the connection, then this becomes, the, this becomes the world that completely reveals the essence of God. This becomes the time and the place where we reveal the essence of God. On the upper east side of Manhattan, this becomes the place. This with the the kraters, the skyscrapers and ultimate ego and all these gods and egos, egomaniacs. And, and this is the world and this is the milieu and this is the time and this is the place which we will reveal and are revealing and will reveal the very core and essence of Hashem. Because once you make the connection where it truly comes from, then this becomes the most godly place. That we are independent, we are something but our entire something is the something of Hashem that's completely different the Jew in the shtetl was like light refined nullified egoless, completely dependent on Hashem, it was so clear it was so obvious the truth was so clear and so obvious They was so untouched, it was so connected they was so tuned in but it was light Light that doesn't know what God looks like. Light is completely dependent. God is completely independent. God is something. Light is completely egoless, nothing. But in our world, which is the ultimate something, absolute something, independent, that's how we feel, that's how we sense ourselves. This is where we come face to face with the independence of Hashem. The being of Hashem, the something of Hashem, the absolute something of Hashem. So when our something becomes an expression of Hashem's something, that something—that's what Hashem desired. That's what Hashem wanted. That's the end goal. That's the end result. And in the year two thousand sixteen, in this world that we live in, which appears to be so coarse and crass and the antithesis of everything that's God, that this world. This is where the essence of Hashem will be revealed. This is where Hashem will be king. This is where 7 billion non-Jews will willingly accept upon themselves the sovereignty of Hashem and willingly follow the seven Noahide laws and become righteous Gentiles. And every Jew in the world will be a proud Jew and live, express their pride, by living a life of Torah, a mitzvah. This is the truth. This is the reality. This is the purpose. This is what Hashem had in mind. We are it. This is it. This world is it. The end of all the worlds. the level. It's like the level of Malchus, which is the end. We are the end. The lowest level. This is it. This is the purpose. This is what Hashem wanted. This is where it all comes together. This is what it's all about. And we have arrived. This is it. Now is the time. We are it. This is it. This is the time. This is the place. Right here in America. Right here in New York. Capital of ego in the world. This is it. This is what Hashem desired. This is what Hashem wanted. It's not by accident that the Rebbe was in New York and the previous Rebbe came to New York. Capital of the world. Ego capital of the world. Because this is it. This is what Hashem desired. This is the time, this is the place, and we are it. This is, this is what Hashem wanted. That's what it was all about. Everything was all about this moment. And we can make it happen. So instead of being disillusioned and feeling chagrin, and what a crazy world we live in, and what a wild world we live in, and what a upside-down world we live in, topsy-turvy world we live in, and if it's disconnected from Hashem, it truly is absolutely absurd, ridiculous, insignificant, nothing. But when you realize where it all comes from, you realize what it's really all about. Then you realize, you get excited. This is, we're living in very special times and we have a special opportunity that all the previous generations didn't have. We are the ones who have the opportunity to close the deal and make Hashem's desire happen and give Hashem the pleasure that He looked for and make this world into a Torah world, making our own personal lives into a Torah life and making the world around us into a Torah world. This is it also
0: the multitude and the diversity of creatures though paradoxically they were created by the power of the one and absolutely uncompounded idea. so derives from the multitude of letters that issue from Al-Qur, which is known as the mouth of hashem as it is written by the word of hashem were the heavens made and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. the five organs of supernal speech corresponding to the five physical organs of speech are of the five, the vorot, of nakpa, literally the female element, i.e., malta.
1: Just like speech, to break down speech, So every creature has, every creation has its own name, like we learn in the first chapter of the second part of the has its own name, which is made up of letters. Every letter channels the different channels of divine energy in a unique way, and then the combination of the letters, which creates the separate entity. And the letters channel a unique energy. So there's so many energies, and all these energies are a result of all the letters. Every entity has many letters, and each letter is a different channel of the energy, a different combination of the energy. So this multitude of lights and this multitude of energies which comes about through malchus, which is the vessel, which is the speech, that you know, you have one idea. The teacher has an idea in his mind. You have one concept. In your mind, it's a singular concept. But when you convey it and speak it and communicate it in words, it could be pages and pages and pages and and the more brilliant that one concept is, you need a thousand page book to convey that one singular concept. So as you break it down into words and letters, it becomes separated and differentiated. And every word and every letter contains one tiny part of the idea. And so 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 this world multiplicity, this world of multiplicity and this multitude world that we live in. It's as a result of the letters. That's the level of malchus. It's the level of Hashem's speech. It's the words and letters that take the light and not just receive the light, but when it conveys the light, it expresses and it comes out in many, many, in a multitude of words, and a multitude of letters, which creates a multitude of creations and entities and beings. And how do you speak? The speech comes from a voice. The voice is a singular voice. But to the different combinations, the five basic combinations, which creates the five f- basic family of words. You press your lips together, mempe, boom. If you, you, your your tongue touching the top of your top of uh, the roof of your mouth. You know, the, and then you have uh, the, the guttural. So you have all. It's by the different combinations of how the voice. So the five different ways that separate. Otherwise, it's just a voice. It's just a plain, simple voice. But to take that voice and to differentiate it into 22 letters, into 22 different sounds, that comes through the five basic ways the different ways of putting your mouth together and your lips and through the throat, which creates different types of sounds and different letters. So, so these are the Gevuras. These are the, the Gevuras that separate and differentiate and project this singular voice into many, many, a multitude, a multitude of letters. And from these multitude of letters come almost this infinite variety of beings. Think about it, all the books in the world that were ever written all come from 22 letters. All the music in the world that was ever ever composed comes from eight notes. Think about it, it's amazing. All the different combinations, and you end up with all this wisdom, all these books, and all these. So this is the gevura. This is the gevura that separates and differentiates. And from it, it's, it creates this multitude of letters and words, and, and channels the energy in different energies. And every letter represents an energy, and every word represents a different combination of energies, which creates a separate entity, a unique entity. So this all comes from Malchus. This is Hashem's speech. This is the. F- this is.
0: Muppet is therefore called Ama called agna, the manifest world, because through it is manifest the power of the infinite and self, light, to create something out of nothing without recourse to Ila and Alul, cause and effect. The progression from Ila to Alul exists among created beings as well. The creation of Yesh. From Ies is in the hands of the Ain-sof alone, and it is Mahud Avatziyut that makes this power manifest. However, the first nine Sefirot that precede Malchut emanated by the causal evolution of Elah and Alul, while the infinite Ain-sof light is vested in the Chokmah alone. Chokmah derives from the Ain-sof in a manner that resembles the. The derivation of Yesh from Ayin, as in the verse, Chokhma derives from Ayin. The Ein Sof thus vests itself in Chokhma, and through it, the Ein Sof light emul- um, illuminates the other spirit as well.
1: So here he's saying it's a novel interpretation of of the word Alma is galia, a world which is revealed. So usually we say it in a uh, almost in a negative way it's a lower level it's a world which is revealed versus the world which is concealed the world which is concealed is like the fish in water which is connected to its source versus a, ver- a world which is revealed where the creature created creature is separate from its life source like mammals we walk around but we but we are separate from the life source from the earth so The world that's revealed is a lower level, like speech versus thought. Thought is a much higher level than speech. Here he's saying something novel. He's saying no. It's not the revealed world. It's the world that reveals Hashem. Where is Hashem's revealed? Where is Hashem's ultimate revelation? In the higher realms? In the world of emanation? Or in this world, in the physical realm? The lowest of all the worlds. Hashem is more revealed in this world than all the upper worlds and sublime worlds and all the worlds of, of light and revelation and which are reflection of Hashem. Because it's only in this world. Yes, we don't see any godliness and we don't sense any godliness, and godliness is hidden and concealed and is covered up, but it's only in this world. That Hashem's essence is revealed. Hashem's creative ability. His ability to create something. It's only in this world that Hashem is revealed, that Hashem is something. In the higher worlds, in the world of emanation, they don't know what Hashem is. They don't know what God looks like. They don't know what the word independent means. They don't know what something means. It means nothing in that world. They are light. They are just a reflection. They're completely nullified to their source. So God reveals himself through Chachma, and then through Chachma we have the Ishtal Shalut, the, the evolution but of Chachma all the way down to Mal- Malchut, but the effect is completely nullified and contained within the cause. So there's no separation. There's no independence, there's no separation, there's no I, there's no independence, there's no. it's completely nullified. They're completely nullified. So God's essence is not revealed. They don't know what God's essence is. Where is God's essence revealed? Yes, we don't feel godliness. We don't sense godliness. But from our being and our existence and our sense of ego, God's being is revealed. God's core and essence is revealed. God's creativity is revealed. So in this world, God's essence is completely revealed. While in the higher worlds, in the hidden worlds, in the higher realms, in the hot worlds, God's essence is completely concealed. So in this sense, the world of revelation is, is a positive. But this is where God is revealed. Very, very unusual. Like this whole letter, everything is... Because classically, that's how we always looked at this world. This is the lowest of all the worlds. The godliness is completely concealed. This is a world where Hashem is completely hidden, where everything is distorted. and It's a negative. It's revealed because it's superficial. The upper world, ah, that's, 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 that's reality. That's real.
2: They are closer to God. They're
1: they are closer to God superficially. That's what he's saying here. He's turning the whole thing on its head. They are closer to the light of God. But the light of God is not God. It's just a reflection of God. The light of God is just a reflection. God is essence. God is being. God is absolute being. The light is not absolute. The light, by definition, is completely dependent. It's not an absolute being. That's the definition of light. So all of the worlds are, by definition, dependent. Not absolute being. The essence of God is absolute. And they don't know what absolute means. They don't know what being means. They, they, They have no idea. We know what absolute means. Because we feel absolute. We have egos. So God's creative ability, God's being, God's core, God's essence, God's absolute being is completely revealed in this world through creation and the ultimate creation which is the physical material world and the ultimate creation which is man, ego this is where God's essence is completely revealed he turns the whole thing on its head (laughs) that's why when the Hasidim read this they read this letter they were blown away because it completely changes how you look at this world everyone classically all the great Jewish classics you look at this world as dark and It's a negative. It's one big negative. The question is to what extent is it negative? It's negative. Because, as he said earlier, even the greatest tzaddik, he said earlier in the Tanya, chapter 35, even the greatest in the first part of Tanya, even the greatest tzaddik, if the goal is to be spiritual, no matter how refined you are, you're the complete tzaddik of the Tanya. And you have love of Hashem and you feel Hashem's awe and you're completely egoless and you're completely refined. And you're like a light that's connected, that's plugged in and you sense and godliness pulsates through your being and you feel Hashem. it's, It's a pale comparison to the way the soul is in heaven as refined as we can be in this world, as, as intense as we can get in this world, and as deep as we can be in this world, and as profound as we can be, it's almost a cartoon. It's almost a, in comparison to the way the soul was in heaven. It's, you can't even compute. Not even close. It's not even... It's nothing. So what are, what are we aiming for? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to achieve? We know at the outset that we're going to fail. In other words, we'll never, we'll never amount to much. It's spiritual. You want, to, you, want to, you want to contest, you want to compare spirituality? The highest level of spirituality in this world is nothing in comparison to true spirituality in the upper world the highest level of refinement is nothing in comparison to refinement. the highest level of love is nothing in comparison to divine love to upper higher levels of love to whatever we accomplish in this world the highest level of brilliance and wisdom it's nothing so what, so what so whatever we're going to accomplish is it's like almost a mediocrity whatever we're going to do really amounts to not much so what's the point? What, what, what are we doing here? What are we struggling here? What are we trying to accomplish? But the answer is, the goal is not just to be a light. If the goal is to be light, it's the wrong time, <laughs> it's the wrong place, and the wrong customer. Is that what we're selling? And even if we accomplish it, it's, it's, it's nothing. In comparison to true light and true. But what the goal is and the purpose is. Is that we're trying. To connect with the something of Hashem. With the essence of Hashem. With Hashem's absolute being. That's something that we can only accomplish in this world. And that's the greatest accomplishment. To be something but our whole something should be hashem our whole something should recognize that where does this something come from hashem. use your ego where does the ego come from? It comes from hashem so let me use my ego let me use my drive let me use my motivation let me use my independence let me use my sense of self-sufficiency to create to be created to be a partner with hashem and creation to do to accomplish to achieve And then we become connected with Hashem's essence. That's revealed only in this world. That's something that they don't have, and they can't have in the upper world. This is the, re- the reveal. That's what he said. This is the revealed world. Hashem's essence is revealed only in this world. So, of course, the goal, the goal, God forbid, is not to remain egotistical and to remain crass and coarse. That, that is really sad. That is really tragic. That is really an illusion. That's really nothing. But the goal is to transform and to reveal that where does this being and absolute and ego, where does it all come from? It comes from the very essence of Hashem. So my whole being should become A godly being. A something. That's an expression of Hashem's creativity, of Hashem's essence. A true something. That's a something of Torah and mitzvot. That's when we live a Jewish life in this world. We do a mitzvah in this world, in the physical world. We study Torah. This is the purpose. This is what it's all about. This we can only accomplish in this world. The upper worlds, they have nothing on us. They are jealous of us. They come from the heavens to listen to the rabbis who study Torah in this world because in heaven they have nothing on this world. Here we have the essence of Hashem. Here we have the Torah. This is the holiest of all the worlds. This is what the Alter Rebbe is telling us. So it's a different world. It takes on a different face body, the world, the ego, the world we live in. It's a whole different world. It's a world that's rich with opportunity. It's a world that's special. It's a world that's dynamic, alive, with Hashem's essence is revealed, only in the exclusive, exclusive to this world.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.